actually listened to this podcast about like meditation and whatnot and there's he did one with matthew mcconaughey and it was just it's just the funniest thing here on that man talk it's just so good uh surprisingly very spiritual and insightful but a lot of yeah you know this i do it right here it was fun huh yeah, I can't say I've listened to any of Matthew McConaughey actually speaking. Every time I hear of Matthew McConaughey, I just think of the old college humor video of Hannah Montana drug party. And she's like, I met Matthew McConaughey. And her friend goes, Matthew McConaughey, what's he like? And then she says something weird, like he, he smelled like a wet foot or something like that. I think we have our sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of the Do Better Dev Show with your favorite, favorite co-hosts, Yanish uh, Mishra as myself, as myself, uh, <laughs> and Nathan Calvang. Uh, I'm here too. You're here too. This is great because without you, it'd be weird to just introduce you as a co-host. co-host. Yeah, it'd all be a lie. People would be disappointed. Be you get all the hate mail. Uh, so like, oh, we were true. just finally getting used to having another person on the show. I know, and, uh, and we we even had this, you know, thing we established in the last episode that everything we say is a fact. True. True. Still and a fact. Still a fact. That's true. I, I didn't lie, so it still happens to be a fact. And the facts we're discussing today are going to be great. But first... Yeah, the facts that we're going to be discussing today, yeah. First, Gian, I need to know if you did anything cool, interesting, or frustrating this week to share. Huh. Cool, interesting, or frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something frustrating. Okay. All right. I, I, <laughs> I gave wait. you a little bit of hint about it before this uh, episode started, but um, yeah, I I learned about corporate hierarchy uh, at another level today, where to do a simple DNS change, I had to talk to, I don't know, six different people. Uh, and had my request go through so many departments before somebody in a different time zone handled it. And yeah, that was extremely frustrating because it's the kind of thing I can do by myself within a minute if I have the right access. Mm -hmm. And I've been on this for a couple of days. So not very fun, but that was the frustrating one. Oh, and I do have something exciting to share. I think I already shared it with you today. I don't that know. Amazon is finally launching oh, yeah. Mac supports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do better dev show. Yesterday's news tomorrow. Uh, That's true. Yeah, by the time people hear this, this will... Yeah, we're recording this in end of November, uh, December beginning. And this whenever this goes live, this will be very old news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But I am still excited about it. Yeah, so explain the, the basics of what's going on there. Oh, so up until this point, Amazon EC2, which is just essentially virtual servers that you get in the cloud instead of hosting them yourself, were Windows and Linux, which works great for most case scenarios, but there's a lot of iPhone apps and automation and CI/CD had to rely on these external providers who used to have these bare metal iOS racks, and they would just give you access to them over a public cloud. Finally, AWS is stepping in, which means 
it's if it's being added to as part of the EC2 fleet, you have virtually an unlimited number of Macs to scale to and play around with and probably pay a really high hefty bill because Macs are super expensive. Um, but it's the flexibility uh, and finally having a reliable space to go and experiment with Macs. I cannot, especially because I'm starting two new pilot projects um, and they require Mac automation. And I'm just super excited that AWS has it because I'm so familiar and used to that space. Um, yeah. I can tell. So I can see how excited you are. <laughs> so that's good. That's uh, better than just corporate hierarchy. There's some good things in the world as well. There are. There are. Puppies. Uh, I don't know. Your new plant. Sorry, was that is that a spoiler? That's a bit of a spoiler, one? but uh, oh, I'm sorry. We'll get to I, that. I was just really Stay happy tuned, about that folks. <laughs> plant news will be coming later in the show. Uh, but yeah, last week was my last week off for the year, so I've been trying to use up all my PTO because uh, there's nowhere to go right now. So just taking a week off at a time, and I think I reached the end of the amount of free time I wanted just with so lim such limited options for what to do in that free time. So, you know, you get sunsets very early, a lot of rain was happening and there's not a lot of people that want to hang out right now, uh, with the world situation. So yeah, this extra week off, I didn't have a ton to do, but, uh, and because of that, I wasn't at work. So I don't have a work or I only have one work related thing to share, which is, just a general appreciation for enthusiastic junior developers because I love when I'm able to share something that's I've forgotten that at one point I didn't know and then it just blows their mind or they really appreciate it and it makes me just feel so much more fulfilled in my day uh, when I can answer a question for somebody and it makes them unblocked and now they're happy and they understand how something works and they're all excited. Uh, so I often still feel very much like a junior developer, uh, especially in my current role. And so having the chance to share a little bit of knowledge with somebody else is always encouraging. And uh, that's my, that's my um, positive thing to share for this week. That is super exciting. And I, I think we've also touched in previous episodes that if you're a junior dev, ask, asking is your best friend. And you can see the other side of it now where exactly. people who do get asked feel great about it and feel happy having, having a curious team in a software engineering group really helps. Yeah. And actually to update on the previous week's example of what I thought was good uh, was talking about the React custom hook that I wrote. Uh, it seems to be working. So the week that I was off, they added it in a couple places where there were bugs and the general word on the street is that it's doing its thing, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And uh, hopefully that'll mean less unnecessary bug reports for all of our list APIs or list pages, which there are a lot. Uh, so that should neat. be good. How neat is that? Uh, it's pretty neat. <laughs> So yeah, always good to know that you didn't break down production while you just before you left on vacation. So yeah, one of the guys on our team is he's using all his PTO on Wednesdays, so he just takes one day a week off, and it's every Wednesday, 
And so anytime something sketchy comes up, where somebody suggests an idea that like might kind of be rough on prod or something, or if we're doing a dangerous migration, he's like, you should do that on Wednesday. I think Wednesday would be good. <laughs> uh, so that's been, that's been a running joke as well. Uh, it's just, yeah, do things when people want, you could do things when you're not there. So fortunately I didn't have that effect where something I did, something that I did did not blow up prod or anything while I was away. And they did a release, so there was the potential that something could have destroyed prod, but huh. it did not. It did not. It did not. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't do that. <clears throat> for for all you room fr room fans out there, there was a little slice. <laughs> That's live. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so on today's episode, uh, we, we figured we'd wanted to talk about uh, full stack, what it means, what it stands for anymore, if anybody really knows, and yeah, how companies perceive it, how we've seen it, and everything that it en entails. The full stack on full stack. The myth of full stack. What does it mean? Is it real? So again, I guess we'll find out. Do you have a definition of full stack or your idea? To kick us off, or do I need to start? With um, I think it's the a full stack developer is somebody who replaces the entire IT departments, so startups don't have to pay somebody a lot of money. Right. So that's the yeah. that's the cynical hot take, I guess, <laughs> on what a full stack is. <laughs> yeah, I figured let's start us off on a very positive note. Uh -huh. uh, just part of my personality. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that's certainly how we've seen them used is mm -hmm. as uh, replacements for a number of devs. Why have a fleet when you can have one that can apparently do everything? Exactly. So, yes, uh, I would say that part of the goal with full stack devs and companies hiring them is to say, we have a breadth of concerns that are not limited to just things you see in the browser, or things that we need to support on the server, or potentially the architecture that's supporting that server. Uh, so because we have all these different concerns, we would like to have a so-called cross-functional team. And what's easier than just having cross-functional people? Uh, so instead of having specialists, we will have generalists. And those generalists we call full stack. Or as I've noticed in the last year or so, Few and fewer and fewer, at least in Victoria, are being called full stack and they're just no name, just software developer or software engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, and that seems to mean full stack, potentially also meaning ops, which has been an unpleasant surprise in a few uh, interviews that I've done. So there's definitely a wide range of interpretations, but going back a few years, so when I first started hearing about full stack uh, as a concept, there were things on uh, front-end masters and those sorts of platforms that basically considered full stack to be the combination of full er, of front-end and back-end, where front-end devs could build stuff that you would see in a browser. I'll, I'll ignore mobile completely for the, most of this conversation, uh, <laughs> as I do at work in general. Um, <laughs> but browser-based uh, browser stuff, so web apps, and then the back end would be the servers and generally the APIs that those UIs consume. 
and then De- and then ops was just kind of its own thing and they would just hire like an ops guy and usually older more experienced made sure the platform didn't go down while the kids just hacked away at their little um you know uis and you know django services so that was what i understood full stack to be but having started getting a few more years experience so i'm getting different styles of uh interviews and different expectations it seems that full stack can mean a lot more than that so uh, i'll let you jump in at this point so i don't rant for too long um, but that's my two cents so far mm-hmm. now you can rant i think ranting is the core principle this whole podcast is built upon uh, some or many or the two of our listeners may agree uh, that that yeah but uh yeah the, the there is that term for full stack of yeah there's there's that understanding right so for smaller sized businesses or smaller applications there's that understanding that this one person or these two or three people together can maintain the whole product they're a full stack developer so they they're sort of like jack of all trades maybe master of some kind of thing uh and that was my understanding of a full stack dev where of course unless you are some really genius person a true full stack ish developer will always have at least one or two points where they're really good and one or two points there where they lack because it's almost impossible to keep up with every single thing that entails a full stack and in my head there were just four things there was front end as you as you mentioned um for mobile apps, isn't it just you put flex and breakpoints everywhere, and that's on a mobile app? Yeah, you just exactly. You just do everything in a web view, and exactly. you immediately, as soon as your app loads, you just kick them out into a PWA, and you just say, "All right, we're good." And you tell them, "Hey, yeah. if you want it to feel like an app, just put a shortcut on your home screen and make available offline." You've now got. Uh, your not web workers, uh, the other one, the one that service workers. service workers, yeah, get those going so you can get offline access. Who needs it? Exactly. There, there you go. Yeah, you don't this need is, native. What... Come on now. You want you want your app to be fast? No, you don't. No, you don't. You just want it to work. Who cares? I just want to use Electron and have an app that like breaks your phone every time you launch it. Oh God. Yeah. Speaking of which, anti shout out to slack on linux which is so slow and oh yeah it's horrible i my quick search the command k control k that search that i used i've been using for years now it's the only way i know to navigate slack it oftentimes if i select an option it tries to load then fails to load then loads whatever i previously was in so it'll like essentially hit the back button take me back to the previous one and then jump ahead to where I was if I wait long enough. And I'm just like, you're, you're so, so broken. So yeah, anyway, that, it just, Electron reminded me because that app is horribly yes. slow. We've all been there. Yes, uh, anyways, <laughs> going back on track. Uh, uh, God, yeah, now I'm just remembering all the times really hated Electron, okay. Well, we'll do a full episode on that. How about that? Sure, that I have very like little have knowledge, but dark emotions. it'd be fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just random Electron More of a therapy and somebody session. from Electron JS reaches out to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're better now, I swear. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so there were the four components, front-end, just an app that runs in a client, or even it could be a little Java applet, whatever you want to write. Uh, a back-end, where there's some sort of an API where you're getting data from, maybe a microservice, uh, and maybe just, just some sort of thing that's running behind the scene, ideally from a command line that you can access through HTTP or some socket of sorts. Then a place to persist all your data, so an ideal database, you need to know how to just at least select star from table and basic SQL syntax. And finally, deployment. So you can take all of those places and dump them on a CentOS, a Linux server somewhere. That was my understanding of a front full stack developer when I started, um, or when I started looking at that title. Uh, when, yeah, I was like, I think it was two years in uh, being a junior to software developer title and then when I started looking at full stack titles that's what it occurred to me that you have to do all of those things and it seemed natural to me because I was working at a startup where you're supposed to do everything and I was like this makes complete sense of course everybody can do basic things um, before I understood that each one of those fields have decades of work you can put in and get get good at uh, if you really wanted to put in effort and you will sooner or later uh, not to even mention systems architecture, planning, all those beasts that you don't even look at. Uh, man, so many memes come to mind. Uh, but yeah, that was my understanding of a full stack developer. And that, that you need those for at least smaller sized businesses where if you have a little understanding of all of that, you can have a workable product or make feature changes or do little things here and there so that the business stays afloat and they can pay you and you can feel good about yourself. And, and that's why we do development is that's why we mostly do just to feel better about ourselves. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it sounds like the main difference between the ways that we each understood it originally, at least was I didn't necessarily see a separation between the ability to interface with a database and maintaining like an API and those sorts of things. So those were kind of like all in one. And I very much considered ops its own thing. And I think that was largely due to the nature of the first like full-time role I had where we had an ops person. And everything was just a big mystery. And he was the one that got woken up in the middle of the night. And he got paid a lot to be a wizard. And he just showed up and fixed everything if it was down and otherwise made sure things didn't go down. And our job was to not make it go down. And as long as we didn't break anything, as long as the logs weren't going crazy or something. And if they were, then he would be like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, but he, because it was sort of on somebody else's plate, I saw it as a, a separate thing that wasn't for software developers, so to speak. Mm. And the subsequent roles I've had since then have somewhat reinforced that because the especially where I'm at now, we have a level of complexity where you don't want the devs being the people responsible for the architecture. Because uh, yeah. if, if we're responsible for making sure that everything is maintaining good uptime and is well monitored, you just won't end up with a good solution. Um, we need to be the ones concerned about the business and transferring the business concerns and the requirements into a working application, shipping off those images in all of their glory into a nice stable environment. And if that environment is not stable, 
it's not, we're not at the level where most of us could figure out why. Uh, and because we have a full-time ops team that makes sure that these things are safe and secure and stable. So in my mind, at least, those things are still kind of separate, but it seems to not always be considered a separate thing, which makes this whole question for me of what is a full stack very confusing. Because, for example, a person hiring or a team hiring for a full stack role, they might, they're generally just trying to fill the gap of whatever they currently have. So they'll have someone who's, who might be like better on, at maintaining the back end, server side APIs and all that stuff. Or they might have somebody who's better at the front end and they just need somebody to fill in the extra work. And again, it goes back to that cross-functional person making up part of a cross-functional team idea. And so think about the difference between somebody who spends 90% of their time building really responsive, nice UIs, but has the ability to read some backend code so that if, for example, a field needs to be optional, they could make that field optional on the server side and not have to take a server side person's time to make that change, get it merged in. They can do that end to end all at once versus the inverse, someone who wants who maintains a server side application but it's internal facing so they can make breaking changes and occasionally wants to hop into a UI to update the shape of the API request or something for this breaking change. Again, not a lot of work. They just need to be able to kind of figure out what's going on. And those roles are completely different. They require a completely different skill set, and yet they're both considered a you know full stack role. And they might even both be using, you know, you might say like, all right, it's Vue and Ruby uh, for both of them. And one person though is spending 99% of their time writing Ruby and thinking about the concerns on a Ruby side, and then really just updating a little bit of you know, JavaScript objects occasionally versus thinking about how do I make this UI intuitive and fast and responsive? And how do I separate all these components appropriately? And occasionally I might need to make this field optional. And it's like, that's so different. And yet when I see these job listings, if they often don't say what they're looking for as far as looking more for this, more for this. And so I'm getting to the point now where I don't know if I should keep balancing the roughly 50-50 split that I have between front end and back end because at some point I'm just not good enough at either one. And so that's what I'm starting to wonder about this whole question of what does it mean to be full stack? Because if you get enough experience, when you have no experience, you're terrible at everything. So like a junior full stack is just this weird no man's land. And then you can do a couple years, at least for me, a couple years of like, People are happy that you're full stack. And now I'm starting to wonder, am I too bad at either one of these to still be full stack? And do I need to start committing a little bit to spending more time on either one? So what do you think about the nature of full stack as you get more experience? Yeah, I think I think you picked on something really well there. The, the thing I was thinking of as you talked about it is maybe there is no such thing as a senior full stack developer. Maybe there is a uh, junior developer, because if you say junior full stack, that sounds like an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. oh, and then you say an intermediate full stack developer, which is like, okay, you know software development practices, you understand some of this UI database and stuff, and you can do all of this. And then there's senior developers who are 
really good at one or who at least have that intermediate skill on some of the elements, but then they have their seniority in others. So having the ability to go in and say, okay, I know how to construct this beautiful UI, make everything work great. But while I'm doing that, I can instruct this intermediate developer to say, hey, this is how you can architect your backend API because I've done this in the past. This is how you write your tests and everything will be good. And then if, depending on which one of those things is more core to your business, you hire a senior person based like to enhance one of those components. If you're a very beautiful app, maybe you have a senior dev who is really focused on the front end. They, they want to make sure things are responsive, the apps load fast, the bundles are optimized, uh, things like those work. Maybe it's an app where the front end is okay, it's easy to use, but you really need somebody to manage the back end and everything really well. Then you hire somebody to optimize the databases, make sure they all follow all the rules and patterns and things are lightning fast and users don't really care if your front end looks a little crappy, things work extensively well in the back end. Um, that would be my understanding that the, the jack of all trades, master of some is a senior developer, is they know. Um, and then depending on the field or place you're going, that intermediate breadth can be less or more. Because as a backend engineer, if you have experience deploying to cloud and understanding how these things scale and work, you can probably build those images more efficiently that you're pushing to the ops side, which your normal developers may not think of, or even breaking them in different sections and saying, okay, if we deploy it like this, I can talk to the architect or the deployment team and they, they will say, okay, we can take these images, we can connect them together on the networking side on their end, but we did our due diligence to make sure the architecture is well working and optimized and whatever we need to do. That would be, at the more I think about what it means to be an all around engineer is that, I think that's probably why I've never really seen a job title, for, at least for bigger companies or established businesses of a senior full stack developer. You either see full stack and by the time it becomes senior, it becomes a software engineer which is just the term we mentioned earlier, which is just, you need to know how to solve problems. That's your whole, the whole premise of you existing as a software engineer is you can figure out how to do these in computer terms and people pay you money for it. Yeah, I think that would be my understanding that I don't think a senior, senior knowing, knowing all uh, exists because Maybe, maybe they do and maybe they get paid a lot, but you cannot then pay equal attention to everything. And man, oh man, maybe you're either, unless you're really a fast learner, maybe your person like just sucks at this point. So you're, you're... <laughs> I started thinking about this a lot uh, at the previous company you and I worked at when mm -hmm. they were doing a skills matrix and there were these different yes. levels for front end, back end, full stack, these different requirements. And essentially something I kept arguing to them was your standards for front end, your standards for back end are far too low at these levels because nobody in this company, including me, knows well enough the things that someone who's properly specialized in those areas would actually know. And so they were trying to figure out what it means for someone to be like 
low-end senior and high-end senior in these different areas? And like, nobody here can answer that question, first of all. And second of all, you can't just put those together and say now you've got a really high-level full stack because if you are, then you're setting the bar too low for what it would mean for someone to be truly exceptional as a well-informed senior level front end or a well-informed senior level back end or some combination of ops and back end. Just because I generally don't imagine a lot of people do front end and ops, but maybe they do. Yeah. Uh, I if if they do, they're I'm not one. They're of them. an anomaly. Yeah. It's just yeah. I think that whatever brain likes CSS doesn't necessarily like YAML. I think it's just a rule. I, I think I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll even say the same thing for HTML. Just anytime there's a markup or a syntax that I have to memorize uh, for predetermined things, I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm good with this. <laughs> uh, the only reason I'm bad at it is because I don't know the right name of the elements. There is no logic to this. There is no structure. I guess there's structure, but there's no... There's no if-else loop that I'm missing. It's, oh, you don't know this CSS property. Too bad for you. You're not a good front-end dev. Oh, CSS. Okay, I was thinking HTML. And I'm like, HTML is the best abstraction ever made in software development. Like, if you think about the DOM API, and if we had to interact with the vanilla DOM API instead of writing HTML to create the DOM, that would be horrible. Yeah. Like if you had to go, if you had to make an app tag and that was the only thing you got, like div ID equals app, and then you just had to append child and set in your HTML and that was how you wrote UIs, nobody would do it. We would, we would all just write these horrible jQuery libraries on top of it and then abstract over that. So HTML yeah. is, is a wonderfully declarative, helpful abstraction and nobody should listen to Gian. Hey, I again, I, I stopped halfway through my rant for HTML because, yeah, it's because, but, but if HTML came every year and said, here's a new spec sheet and here's how we're doing things and here's how you can make it, your HTML better, even when HTML5 came out, it was still relying on so much of the basics of previous generation that you were just like, okay, this is not a huge bridge to follow. I'm okay. I can understand this. Mm -hmm. Whereas CSS every year, oh god, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. It's not even year. It's just every couple of months, releases, weeks. Apparently, and then browser support, I, and then I've been told that it is Turing complete, which is interesting uh, because I think of CSS as just being a big mess of style listings. But apparently, you can do like complete logic in there. Um, I don't know how. Because I actually haven't written vanilla CSS in a number of years now. It's all SAS. Uh, if I was a proper front-end dev, then maybe I would. But I'm just a lowly full stack who doesn't know anything about the details of these technologies. So this is part of my concern, to tie it all back, mm. is there are all these nooks and crannies that someone who's committing their time to those to exploring those uh, can learn all about and can be very helpful when you get into a pinch or you need to do something in a slightly better way that you didn't know existed. It's so nice when somebody just shows up and says, oh, by the way, this is how you do it. So I have some people like that on the Python Django side of my current team. 
I'll be working on something and I'll push it up for review. And it's pretty good. It's pretty well thought out. But they'll put, well, no, I'm making a, saying that for a reason. <laughs> Hashtag humble. <laughs> It'll be pretty well thought out. But then they'll show up and just be like, oh, there's actually a built-in thing for this. And then it replaces however well refactored and thought out a number of functions might be or a number of lines of code. They're so like, oh, it's provided by the framework at this point on this uh, instance method. And you can just access it that way. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that existed. I wouldn't have known how to search for that because I didn't know it had a name. And those things showing up are the results of people knowing more about something because they've had more time to spend on a particular thing. And yeah, I'm a couple years in now on using Python for the back end and still there's always surprises. So if I, you know, if I'd spent 100% of my time for the two years on there, I'd know substantially more, but I don't. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where, again, the specialization happens as you grow, right? We have, I have people on my team who knows Jenkins and its life cycle and plugins so well, like, like I, I'm at the level where I know, okay, this is the Jenkins plugin I need. This is how I can interact with them. This is how everything works. These are the versions that are supported. And then this guy shows up and since all Jenkins plugins are like open source, he's just, hey man, why don't you just go into the life cycle, update this or override it this way and it works. And in there, I learned 10 new things about how Groovy works, even though I've written Groovy and generally just call it a love child of C-sharp and Java, and I'm not just impressed by it. But but he, he shows up and I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that terrible of a language and it has such nifty features here and there. And the only reason he knows it is because he's been working with Jenkins for like seven, eight years. And I can almost bet that in those eight years, he was not trying to equally focus his time on understanding how Angular has trended up from version one to version, what, 14, 12, that whatever's running now, um, right? And that's where the seniority, I guess, comes. And the need, a company like a corporation like mine can afford to have somebody like him as a senior developer mar matching market rate updating Jenkins plugins, but a, a smaller startup in Victoria where all they need Jenkins for is a simple CI CD might not. Mm -hmm. And that's where that a person like that may just feel that they're not good enough or they're not matching up to the skill set, whereas their skill set is very much needed at, at a different level of scale or complexity. Right. So what it sounds like you might be suggesting is that whether or not you narrow your focus, if you're going through that intermediate existential crisis like I am, then you need to think about where you might want to be working in the future. Because if essentially you price yourself out of the market with your <clears throat> broad but insufficient skills, but you have a lot of years of experience, you might end up in a weird spot where you're like, the companies that want to hire me aren't willing to pay for what I could get elsewhere, but I can't get elsewhere because I don't have specific enough experience. So you would need to decide like, do I kind of like startups? Do I kind of like companies that are not startups? And if you don't live in a place that has 
really cheap startups like Victoria, maybe the startups are well-funded and they'll pay you what you want to get paid. But you have to be aware of those. And Canada in general has much fewer of those than, for example, the Bay Area, if you happen to live there. Uh, at the same time, if you live there, you have to be very competitive compared to in Canada. Uh, so it's very different. But this is something that I think I will need to be considering myself because I've actually asked more experienced developers about this before and gotten both answers. One is like, you should start being more specialized as you go through your career. And another one who has kept working at startups, uh, his suggestion was, no, I've always just stayed general. It's how I make sure I can always get jobs and it keeps me from getting bored. So it really, I think, depends on what you're looking for, what keeps you interested, because if obviously if you're bored, then you're not going to do as well and you're not going to keep wanting to push. So yeah, this has been already a more interesting conversation for me to reflect on my future than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and I think that's the thing about cycling through, right? Like. You don't necessarily have to just now choose a path and stay on it. You, as, as a junior slash intermediate as you're growing, one of the things that you really have to focus on is grasping the basics. Once you understand those software engineering principles and architecture and such, you can focus and specialize for a couple of years and then go back, do something else. I, I, did, uh, I did, started with like a little bit of ops. I did backend, I went back on ops and then I did very aggressive backend for a while. And then I did some front end and front end was a little bit sprinkled throughout the whole time. And now I'm doing very much ops. Like this is the most amount of ops I've done in my whole career. And I'm doing a lot of planning and all those other beasts that we don't generally talk about when we're just doing software development, sitting behind a keyboard coding. But I don't want, I didn't want my front end skills to completely die. So I'm making like little portfolio websites and playing around with those and still quote unquote staying in touch. If somebody was like, hey, are you a front end developer? I'd be like, no. But if somebody <laughs> gave me a React, like React, I don't know, code base and said, hey, can you fix this bug? We sort of know where it's happening. You can just go figure it out. I'd probably feel confident doing that because I've sort of stayed in touch and can look at it um, as opposed to, you know, if I just dropped it off and not touched it for years. Um, as long as the language or platform hadn't changed too much, I'd still com feel comfortable. I, like right now, I haven't touched Ruby in four or five years. And if somebody gave me a Ruby on Rails app, I'd probably not be impressed. But give it, given enough dedication, and if it's not terribly, terribly architected, um, I could probably add features. I could probably make it better depending on what features they want me to implement and such. Um, and then there will obviously be a ramp up time and such because you lose your uh, flow. But because I focused on those principles, I don't feel as bad going towards those, but I would not call myself a developer of those things because I'm, that's not my strong suit anymore. Mm -hmm. hmm. So in that case, do you think that companies should be hiring for full stack or is it a pipe dream that they just want to you know, build to clients that they have full stack developers? Uh, again, very much depends on the industry you're going for. Um, for example, not going to say any names, but one of the teams we worked with, they had a senior dev and he was good. He was 
extremely good at backend stuff and he was also good at even though some html may or may not have been questionable he was good at making those front end screens and they could bill him as a senior full stack developer because he stayed and preferred to stay a generalist uh, for the most part and when his generalism was limited to front end backend mm -hmm. some database and no ops whatsoever he did not want to touch it he when i was talking to him his statement to me was ops cloud all of this will probably keep getting automated as it is and it will keep changing the thing that stays consistent is clients come to you with a dream you figure out the requirements you build a screen for it and then you build an api to store data for it and that stays consistent and since that guy had been in the industry for 12 years i took his word for it i was like cool man this works for you you're happy you know whatever um so yeah if companies are looking really try to make clear because this senior dev or this intermediate guy you may be wanting to hire as a full stack may just be really good at team communication and talking to the clients and even just depending on which background they bring might just be really good at one or two things that your team is lacking but isn't something they need uh, urgently but if you see a foreseeable future for that do that there's probably a huge miscommunication between the job postings that get put out and i think that's a common theme in tech that everybody hates yeah when um, node had been out for a couple of years and it's like six years node experience uh, so like, okay the creator can probably just join this company nobody else well, i'm pretty sure that was one of the tweets that went viral was somebody sent him a link to it and he was just like i can't apply to this and it's like <laughs> well you wrote it <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where the communication really needs to happen because you see all these generic job titles and I have done that where I look at a job description and I'm like, I know I don't match some of these, but I do match some of these others and looking, just reading through what the department is or what they need it for. They're not going to need these skills. So I'm going to apply anyways. And then I'm going to talk to the tech person on the team to figure out what they actually need. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so companies are always just gonna try to find the biggest, best things they can get for the lowest amount. Um, and you as a developer just has to filter through them, at least in my opinion, uh, filter through those job postings, figure out if that's a company you would wanna work for. Uh, don't worry about the job description that you're applying for so much, because if they like you enough or their, your skill set matches with their need and vice versa, they'll make a position nine out of 10 times that generally just happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's generally my thought at this point about most of those job postings. They're really just saying we need a developer that can do some stuff and we're going to see if what you can do happens to be some of the stuff we need and what they list generally doesn't matter, especially if it's for a intermediate full stack position, what they're, they'll list things about the specific technologies they're using. But if it's clear that you can figure it out, they typically won't care. Uh, if you've been using a, another framework on the front end or the back end, and you can explain why it works and why you use it, you know, on the back end, if you can explain how the ORM is generally doing what it's doing, how you might interact with it, they're like, all right, well, he can figure out our, our, our ORM then. And same thing on the front end. If you can explain why something like a front end framework is useful, and generally how they work, 
then it doesn't matter if you've been using Vue and they're using React. They're going to be like, oh, okay. I'm sure they can figure it out. So I agree. They're generally just trying to cast a wide net and say, we want someone that can write the codes and can you do that? And then they'll just find out and if you said, if, if they like you, they'll probably just hire you that way. Um, yeah. And that's where, like, that's why I mentioned that the onus is then really on the developers. Fight through the imposter syndrome, apply for 100 jobs. Worst case scenario, they reject. And if you don't apply, you're already rejected. So who cares? <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Go apply, Nathan. Just apply for job descriptions that are like 20 years of experience. Just go apply. Oh, I would hate to be in an care. interview about that where they're like, so how much experience do you have? It's like, I have a quarter of what you wanted. <laughs> but I've done some, I have 20 years of life experience. That's right. Like, whoa, <laughs> man, he comes from the school of hard knocks. That's right, so yeah. Just hired. Yeah, how much life experience do the other candidates have? More, okay, <laughs> yeah. also more. And then if they're like, oh, they have 40 years, then you could be like, they're too old. I am young and have that life experience. Yeah, just posture the whole time. Uh, yeah. Have, have a little bit, maybe like a, a confident thing or something, just like showing up and I guess it's a phone call, so I don't know. But if it's in person, just like put a power pose mm. or something, yeah. No, part of my favorite thing these days about the hiring process is chatting with the HR people because they're, they're people people, so they're so friendly. Uh, and you know, with my extreme loneliness I'm experiencing right now, it's, uh, it's great. If they reach out on LinkedIn, I don't like the company. Sometimes I'm still like, you know what, let's have a chat. And, uh, sometimes they get some good answers. Sometimes they just hear me sounding really happy to hear another person's voice. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of job are you looking for? I don't know. We can talk about it later. Tell yeah, me about your just job. Browsing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How's your what life? Made what you do you want? To be in life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking to connect here. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure this is not Tinder? No, no, no. It's all good. Yeah, that's not working either. But that's not for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a separate podcast on dating life. Write some articles and do better. Yeah. How? how... Hashtag love tagged. Okay. As long as they're sorted, everybody knows what they're looking for. Of course. That's actually something I'm working on right now. I'm implementing categories. There you go. Go check it out, everybody. By the time this goes live, they will bring out for weeks. That's true. That's true. Yeah, don't praise me for it yet so I don't actually receive the praise and not end up doing right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the code ready. I just need to... Because now I'm hosting it on my own GitHub, now I have to figure out the whole thing of having NPM fetch it from that instead of NPM registry and compile it and do the whole thing with node modules. Just, it's really just a single line packet JSON change, but I'm just lazy. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. trying to be smart, but you're making it more confusing than you need to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I could publish it under my name in NPM and then it'll just make things extremely easy for me to pull. Mm -hmm. uh, but now what if people start using it? What if it has a billion downloads? What if you become the new left pad? And then when you change something, it breaks everything. That's true. You know, I can't take that much pressure. It's true, yeah. Yeah. So I just say, Love to do that, though. yeah, just set the repo to private and never mention it again. Oh, yeah, you can do that. 
Um, all right, so... <laughs> Gen is not a GitHub specialist, as it seems. Uh, oh, wait, you meant there. I thought you meant, like, at NPM. Oh. Set it up. Oh, I see. No, I thought you, I thought you said yeah. you, you mentioned post, hosting it on a separate GitHub, so I was still thinking GitHub. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Actually, yeah, I can publish packages to a GitHub registry. Whoa. Life just got so easy. That's life. That's just life. <laughs> The room fans are is, all about this episode. The easiness of things we talk about. So do you have anything else to hash out about full stack? I'll, I've tried to not just rant about my disdain for full stack, though it may have come across slightly. Uh, slightly only. Uh, so I don't have um, much to add other than um, my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your feelings are valuable, Nathan. This is really just a therapy session. Yeah, uh, these episodes are never going up. It's just it's just <laughs> to air my grievances. Exactly. Uh, no, uh, the, at least from a non-technical perspective, we're not talking about what actually stack is consists of in full stack and progressing through it and developing and such, um, which we'll probably do some sort of follow-up episode sooner or later. Uh, no, I, I think from just the, what it means, uh, how we've perceived it, how it can be perceived, and what people who are going up to that level or looking at those job titles must be looking for. Uh, that's really all I had in mind uh, to talk about. Full stack is a myth. Yeah. Full Get stack is a myth. Full stack is... Yeah, it's it's like it's just it's just a longer title for a software developer. Exactly. Which wow. Yeah, that's really all it is. It's just rebranding, and software engineer ends up coming back because it's retro, and retro always comes back. Mm-hmm. And you gotta be careful in BC though, because if you don't have an engineering degree, you can't call yourself a software engineer. Well, then I'm in trouble. But yeah, yeah, my my GitHub or GitHub, my LinkedIn always says developer, no matter what the company wants to call me. I'm like, I don't have an engineering degree. Can't, and you have to be like certified too. It's not even just if you have a comp set. I thought degree. engineering was just a state of mind. It's it's, it's not quite like ops. Okay, okay, it's not like a DevOps mindset. No, those are, those are independent things. Okay, okay. Yeah. So if I just feel like an engineer, I can't just be called one. No, no, it's really all the powers in the ring that you get. What if I steal it for somebody? Then you will be an engineer. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure there's a clear path to this progression. Because yep. I dropped out of university. I tried going through the normal progression. Uh-huh. And I was like, nah, this ain't for me. <laughs> this so, ain't it, dog. This is not it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, okay. So, my only options are to punch somebody and steal the ring. Steal the ring. Yeah. Yeah. The pun- the punching is not necessary as long as you get the ring. Mm, okay. Yeah, I do not condone violence generally, so yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, very productive chat. I think it's therapy for me as well. So Cool. Mutual <laughs> mutual therapy session. Uh so I need to check in about my doing better as we alluded to earlier. Big plant news. Okay. I have finally repotted my palm tree after two years. And even better, I thought that I was two years overdue because I got it 
and it grew a bunch and I went, oh, I should probably repot this. And then I waited two years. But on the website for where I bought this palm tree, it says palm tree maintenance. Repot every three years because it likes to be somewhat pot bound. So I nailed it. Spot wow. on. It just happened to work out perfectly. So there's the lesson, folks. If you're thinking about repotting your plants, just don't. Uh, and just wait a couple years and maybe it'll be perfect timing at that point. No guarantees, wow. uh, but it's now in this lovely, lovely pot and it's looking real happy. So pretty stoked on that. And the other thing I was saying I was going to do was build an ALU in Minecraft and I did not. And the reason being, there's a reason for that, is I thought the next thing I was going to build would be the ALU. But some things that are subcomponents of the ALU took up some of my time. So I still built like the next things, which was the actual goal. If I had been more specific, I would have said, build the next thing I'm supposed to build uh, in the process of these Minecraft computers. Thought an ALU was it, but instead I ended up building a PLA, which is a programmable logic array and programmed it to just be a, a three to eight decoder because I already knew how to do that because I built a decoder before. And then I saw a video explaining the difference between a decoder and a PLA because I was confused. And then it said an example of how you can use a PLA or a decoder, I forget which one, um, what is if you output it into a seven segment display. And I went, oh, I should do that. So then I just plugged it into a uh, and basically plugged it into another PLA that made a full ROM. And then at that point, I was able to just toggle the binary on the inputs and then it would show up on the seven segment display. And uh, I was pretty happy about it. So that was probably the most uh, rewarding thing I've built so far because a seven segment display is actually pretty cool. Um, as It's cooler than you turn on 101 and then it turns on one light because it was already doing that as part of my input. Turn on 101, a light comes on that says like, this is the line that you that you are enabling. And then it runs into the, uh, into the light and shows up on the seven segment display. So it was two hits of dopamine. The light turns on and then the seven segment display lights up. So I don't know what I'm supposed to build next, but uh, I'll have to build that. And the other thing was I ascended to the Diamond League in Duolingo. So wow, yeah, it, it was like slightly over 400 days and I randomly ended up in the top 10 of the Obsidian League where I'd been for quite a while, months and months. And suddenly it was like, you're in the Diamond League. I went, oh, cool. Turns out Diamond League is for crazy people who <laughs> the person who won it last week, who topped the Diamond League, had close to 4,000 points. And for context, to get into the Diamond League, I think I had 600 for the week. And they already have 800 after one day for the current week. So I went, okay, well, I probably won't last in here very long, but I've doubled my daily number of points, which is really just me cheesing most of it. But it's kept me in the Diamond League for a week. So that's, that's something. Yeah, and you get to hang out with crazies where you don't don't belong. Yeah. <laughs> totally. 
Yeah, so what are you going to try to do better? I didn't really say anything, but I'll, I'll come up with something. Okay. I'm trying to think. I think I've already forgotten what I was going to be better at last week. I hope it wasn't remembering that. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. I can't remember what I've forgotten. Yeah. It's, it's a remember all. Uh, exactly. Dang it. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. It was last right. week. Wasn't your being nice to people? Was it being a good friend? No, that was the week before because I achieved that, mm-hmm. and I I never have to be nice to anybody ever again. Sweet. Uh, no, I'm remembering yeah. all your other ones where it was like play video games, be yeah, nice to people. I, that's what I'm remember. Did I not make a promise last week? <laughs> Maybe not. Mm. Well, anyways, what I did do, uh, better I guess. Uh, <laughs> Was I, I guess I somehow latched on to the week before. Uh, This was a sort of busy week. Um, My friend, one of my friends was moving and I had to go help some other friend as well. So it was just, we have this bubble of three people and we just live in that. And uh, yeah, one of the persons in that bubble was moving. And so I helped out with that and saw them quite a bit this week uh so it was just hanging out with them and yeah so i really just i don't know i guess continued trying to be not a terrible friend um didn't do anything else that was kind of yeah like i wasn't if i didn't feel very productive Mm -hmm. uh missed out on a little bit of sleep i finished the third lord of the rings uh which i'm just excited about because now i can that movie, no. I've never seen any of the Lord of the Ring movies. Oh, oh. And the third movie, Extended Edition, is like four good, and a half good, hours Good, good, good. That was my question, was if you watched the Extended Edition and or Director's Cut. I did. Okay. All three of them. Nice, yeah. Been, yeah. That's, I've, I've actually and, never watched the theatrical. I've only watched the extended ones. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I've been told that they're good. a lot better, so I just haven't gone to watch the other ones because I'm like, well, if these are the good ones, and I started with those, I may as well just stay there. Yeah, and since they actually, like, the story flows really well, and there wasn't times when I was sitting there thinking, man, they could really just cut the scene in half or something. So I'm not entirely sure what they actually cut out in non-extended version. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was, that's what I did, and I slept a lot on the weekend. So, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a slow week. Uh, work-wise, it was really good. Got a bunch of work done. Uh, felt kind of not terrible there. Uh, lots of meetings. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a scatterbrain week, so that's probably why I can't remember uh, what I made as a promise. I must have. I'll go listen to it after this recording is done. Uh, but for this week, you say yours, and I'll come up with mine while you say that. <laughs> uh, so I should probably try to read some more of the computer organization book. Because I read about one page and then just decided to build Minecraft computers. So make another little bit of progress on that. That would be good. And I don't think there's any more parts left that I need to understand how to build in order to build the ALU. So I'll put that as a goal again. Um, I I thought I had something in mind. And I really liked having the thing I'd procrastinated on, which is repotting the plant as my commitment, because it made me actually do it. Um, but I can't think of anything that I, I, I thought I had something, but it's, it's escaped me what I might have been 
uh, thinking of. While you were saying that, it reminded me what my uh, thing was last Perfect. week. Perfect. Say it before you forget. Yeah, which was finishing that book that I had gotten out of the library so I can return it. Yes. Yes. And I didn't finish it. Oh, as I yeah. <laughs> oh so now I you just, are paying moral debts. I am paying moral debt. Well, no, no, no. It's, I have four to five days left to return it. Okay. So, because last week it was 12 days. Okay. So it's... Because, yes, now this is... I have that window. Jogging, I'm, not, I'm not a terrible person yet. Yeah, jogging my memory. But I am a non-productive human being mm-hmm. uh, to some extent there. And that's okay. I just... Yeah, because the book is lying on my bed. And the moment you just said book, I was like, ah, ah that's yes, what the I'm book. doing not better at. Uh-huh. Book. Yeah, wasn't he supposed to meet your friend at the library half an hour ago? Okay. Um, yeah, so I just... It's like six in the morning. <laughs> so what I'm going to do um, for this week's is I'm going to set a very low bar, and that low bar is return this book. Regardless if I finish it or not, return it before the moral debt kicks in. Wow. I'm, I'm just giving myself a little bit of uh, leeway because I know I also have... I'm going to write a personal tech article this week okay. where it's all about Docker and virtualization because I need something on my personal blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be very tech focused. So I'm either going to write about that or something about threading because I've been having a little fun that, with that lately as well. Um, yeah, so that's been sort of a goal. I, don't, I wouldn't call it do better yet until I actually get a momentum. Uh, my long, uh, long achieving goal is one blog post a week for both do better and the personal blog. Whoa. I know, but it seems doable, doesn't it? It's just a couple hundred words. I suppose if uh, you're writing short articles, yeah. Yeah, all my articles are like less than 10 to 20 minutes of reading. That's, that's short, right? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm anyways, a very slow that's... reader, so articles feel long when I read them. Mm. Now, mine are very detailed and to the point, where it's just like, okay, this is... You would know if you just go on dobetter.club and read after the intro article. But... No, I just searched for my name. Uh, found... No, it's only mm-hmm. in the first article, yeah. and a ref- indirect reference in the second one. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll... No, that's not a resolution I want to take. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do better on that. Yeah. Have you thought of what you're going to do? You can even just let yourself relax, you know? Doing better no, is that, a recursive process. Oh, God. No, the thing about my week off was that there was just too much time to relax. I wanted stuff to do. So oh, one right. of the things I had in mind was learn to slide on my longboard, but I actually did that. And so I'm not great at it yet, but I did some slides because it was a little bit rainy throughout the week. So... It's easier to slide when it's a little bit wet. Um, wiped out a couple times. Turns out sidewalks really hard, and you don't want to fall on them. Uh, but it pays off if you've done a lot of tricep pushdowns because I landed mostly on my tricep, so my elbow feels fine. Um, it was just a big mushy fall right on the on the back of my arm, so that worked out okay. Um, but oh. I thought of something. This would actually be good. I need to finally learn another song on the guitar because I've just been playing the same five-ish songs for the last couple weeks. So I, I'm almost certain that that was the thing I had in mind last time I was playing guitar. I thought, you know what? I should commit to finally learning another song. Can it be a Lonely Island song, please? 
pretty please. I will see if there's any songs of theirs that aren't just like fake drums and such that's actually like guitar based. Because hmm. a lot of theirs is fake rap. Bin Laden. <laughs> Finest girl. Okay. It, I, all I can hear is like the beginning strumming in that song. So. Bloom, boom, bloom. Blue, doo, doo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For her, for our listeners, please don't hate us. But yeah, that's apparently one of our favorites. They're, yeah, they're learning yeah. a lot of references that we have in this one. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. pretty neat. Anyway. I think that probably does it. We're at right about an hour, maybe a little bit over, I think. Yeah, that sounds great. Do you want to do the wrap-up? Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to this ranty and rambly episode all about Full Stack and other things like how much we love Electron. And if you have any thoughts, feel free to reach out. You can get our social medias either if you're watching the video on the screen or you can check the description and show notes on whatever media player you are listening to us on. I'm going to assume at some point in the future, Gian or I will get that set up and you'll be able to find everything you need to know right there. Anything else, Gian? No. NWCalvin.dev. Tell your friends. Oh, God. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>